Wait, what? So this happened. I'm Rachel Vallesnor, and this is the podcast Hell is Not the End. Although it feels like just the beginning sometimes. Is anything really the end, though? This podcast is meant to explore the limitless possibilities of one's own soul. Why do people do bad things? Why are there countless happenings beyond understanding? Why, when we are cautioned not to do something, do we just do it anyway? The definition of curiosity, a strong desire to know or learn something. There you have it. I will curiously explore why. Hell is not the end. Michael Clark Rockefeller was born on May 18, 1938. He was the fifth child of New York Governor and future United States Vice President Nelson Rockefeller and Mary Clark. He was part of the fourth generation of Rockefellers and had a twin sister named Mary. Michael attended the Buckley School in New York and the Phillips Exeter Academy in New Hampshire, where he was a student senator and a varsity wrestler. He graduated from Harvard University with a B.A. in History and Economics. In 1960, he served as a private in the United States Army for six months and went on to an expedition for Harvard Peabody Museum of Archaeology and Ethnology to study the Danny tribe of western Netherlands, New Guinea. The expedition filmed an ethnographic documentary movie produced by Robert Gardner. The film was called Dead Birds. Michael recorded the sound for the film. Michael and her friend left the expedition for a short period to travel to southern Netherlands, New Guinea, to study the Asmat tribe. After the completion of the Peabody expedition, Michael returned home very briefly before returning to New Guinea to continue a study on the Asmat tribe and collect their art. On November 17, 1961, Michael, along with a Dutch anthropologist, were in a 40-foot dugout canoe about three miles from shore when their double pontoon boat was overturned and submerged. Their two local guides swam to shore for help, unsure of knowing what help, if ever, would come. After drifting for about two days on November 19, 1961, Michael tells his friend that he thinks he can make it to shore, like the two guides, two days before. His friend is rescued three days after the local guide swam to shore, and one day after Michael swam for shore. Enter the Conspiracy Corner. Michael disappears and is never seen again. It is estimated that the canoe had drifted approximately 12 miles from the shore and that Michael had to swim 12 miles to get to shore. A few theories are that Michael died from either exposure, exhaustion, and or drowning and may have even been eaten by a saltwater crocodile, maybe even a shark. Why did the two local guides successfully make it and not him? The most disturbing theory is that Michael may have been eaten by the Asmat tribe members who Michael was trying to study. There have been several written accounts on Michael's suspicious disappearance. Theories from him living among the local people, to him being killed as a part of a sacrificial offering, and to him being killed as part of a revenge plot against the white tribe. Despite an intense, exhausting search, no trace of him will ever be found. 
He's declared legally dead in 1964. Michael's mother did pay an investigator a lot of money to prove whether Michael was actually dead or alive, to which no answer ever came. John Leslie Flynn was born on May 31, 1941 in Los Angeles, California. He was the only child of Australian-American actor Errol Flynn and his wife, French-American actress Lily Demita. His parents separated and divorced when Sean was very young. Sean was raised by his mother. When his father died, he left Sean $5,000 for his education. Sean studied at Duke University before he too decided to become an actor. Sean would appear in many television spots and action films for the next 10 years. He appeared on his father's TV show, The Errol Flynn Theater, the episode titled Strange Auction. A few years later, he would try to break into the movies. Starting with Where the Boys Are, although most of the scenes were cut, he still is visible in one scene. In May 1961, Sean accepts a contract to appear in, in 1962 sequel of Captain Blood, his father's film. The film would be titled Son of Captain Blood. The film would be released in the United States in 1964. In September of 1961, Sean accepts a recording contract for a company he had already recorded four songs for. In 1962, he was to appear in a movie that never got made. Sean would appear in a few more action films. By the time 1964 hit, Sean became increasingly bored of his lackluster acting career. He decides to take a chance in Africa by being a guide for safaris and big game hunting, spending some time as a game warden in Kenya. Getting low on money, Sean decides to go back and making films for a couple years until he can afford to travel again. In January 1966, actor-turned-freelance photojournalist travels to South Vietnam. He works for a French magazine, then for Time Life, and then for United Press International. Sean's photos were widely published, leading him to make a name for himself. He was among those who would take the best picture, even in the face of war or danger. In March of 1966, Sean is shot in the knee, wounded while in the field. In April, Sean was on patrol with some Green Berets and Nung mercenaries when they were ambushed by the Viet Cong. Sean was carrying an M16 rifle, so along with the soldiers, he had to fight his way out. After this, he travels to both Paris and Singapore to shoot his last film, but would soon return to Vietnam. In November 1966, Sean is credited with saving an Australian platoon. His photographs identified the location of a landmine near Vung Tai. In 1967, Sean went to Jordan to cover the Six-Day War. Working as a cameraman for CBS News, Sean is slightly injured by grenade fragments while filming a battle between the United States and North Vietnamese forces 85 miles south of Da Nang. Sean heads to Cambodia when news broke that the North Vietnamese forces were advancing into the country. On April 6, 1970, Sean with a group of journalists were set to attend a government conference in Saigon. For whatever reason, he and another photojournalist, Dana Stone, decided to travel by motorcycle instead of by limousine like everyone else. It is speculated that the two got wind of another story and decided not to follow the rest of the group, 
directly to the conference. Instead, followed their own instincts to get some photos of a checkpoint where other journalists had disappeared. The two spoke to other journalists already on scene from supposedly a safe distance. Surviving film footage would capture this moment. People circling around the checkpoint without disregard for military presence nearby. Those people are believed to be a Viet Cong. Both Sean and Dana, excited in the moment, approached the checkpoint alone to interview the Viet Cong. Witnesses state that the two were quickly relieved of their motorcycles and marched into the tree line, out of view. Neither would ever be seen alive again. Sean's mother spent a lot of money to try to find him and get real answers to no avail. She had Sean declared legally dead in 1984. My hope is that no one has to live in fear ever. As always, I will never give up and read the signs. Special thanks to all the reading materials I could get my hands on, internet mostly, thanks to wikipedia.org. Thanks so much for listening. I'm Rachel Vallis-Nor, and this is the podcast, Hell is Not the End.